0: to pray again Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for um, this sweet time of fellowship with one another. we thank you for your Holy Spirit here. we invite your presence um, Lord we're, we're inviting you to um, fill us with wisdom, um, understanding revelation Lord I just pray that you would um, yeah guide my words in Jesus name amen. All right. I'm here again, <laughs> and then I won't be here for a little while, actually, because um, that's just the way the schedule has worked out. And so, I'm really glad to be able to just kind of um, wrap up on um, some something that I just really feel like the Lord has been putting on my heart, which is just talking about um, abiding. And so, abiding um, in His love. And I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna give a quick summary, and then I'm gonna just move into this last aspect of this that I really wanted to talk about. If you want to turn with me to John 15, 9 through 12. If you're, if you're in the King James Version, which is the first one I'm going to read, I'm, I'm generally going to be reading out of King James or the New Living. But the, the um, subtitle above this passage is Love and Joy Perfected. So we're familiar with this chapter earlier on it's really talking about um, you know abiding in the vine or we can't we can't bear fruit apart from him and he just this is this is the um, the conversation uh, that Jesus is having with his disciples the night before he ends up getting crucified and so it's it's kind of like this intense moment of I know I've been with you all this time, and i got to summarize this up and say, this is what you're going to need to do. These are your instructions. These are your marching orders. And probably for them, they were thinking it was going to be something more like a bunch of how-tos or a manual or something like that. But he kind of, he really brings them back to um, a simple message that everything else will be anchored in. So John 15, 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So he's saying this is, this is how it's going to happen. This is how you're, This is how you're going to make it. You're going to do the same thing that I did. Just as I abided in the love of the Father, I'm inviting you to abide in my love. In fact, if you don't abide, it, abiding my love is actually the only way you're ever going to be able to keep my commandments. This is the only way that we can ever do it in the in the Israel past or in Israel Gentile future. Is that we come into the Father's love, we let him. Um, pour that love into us, impart that to us, and then with that supernatural love, then we're able to obey him, because we're completely aligned with his heart. And this, doing this, remaining in him, this is, even in the midst of the most intense time that they will face, they'll be able to remain in his love, and their joy will be complete. So, I think what's interesting is that of the many pictures between God and his people, um, you know, there's a lot of different pictures that we do see in the Bible, but, you know, it could be like father-son and marriage and these different ones we talk about. But this one is a vine and a branch, and I think it does just the ideal job at really emphasizing this complete dependence. We need constant connection. Like if you picture your plant and you cut your little plant leaf off or your branch off or whatever, it's not going to it's going to shrivel up and die, right? It is absolutely, completely dependent on staying connected to that vine. It's more than a sheep, depends on a shepherd. Um, It's more than a child, depends on a parent. It's everything. So he wanted to leave them with this important message of encouragement and instruction so that they could... um, they could stay connected and, re- and united in Him. I think what's also interesting too. I hadn't highlighted this before, but I was thinking about how really in Isaiah and other places in the Old Testament, the Father is described as the vine dresser. In Israel, is actually designed d- described as the vine, and so Jesus kind of s- switching up this analogy and basically saying, "Like, <clears throat> I'm the vine." So in being that branch. We're coming into his vine, the vine of Jesus, but the father is the vine dresser. So we're having in this connected relationship with both of them. It's just this whole idea of abiding in me and you. It emphasizes this mutual relationship. And we could kind of see this in Song of Solomon 6.3. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Jesus is using this picture to assure his disciples that there's going to be a continued connection in the relationship even though he's departing and he is also making it clear that abiding in that relationship us abiding requires action on our part it's not a passive it's not a passive role you know i picture like um, holding on hands you know a, a, f- a father and a child like holding hands is is like both are participating right the, you know if i'm holding your hand you're, or, or we're shaking hands. We're, we're both coming into that arrangement together. You know, if you've ever, you can't really. It's really hard to hold somebody's hand, uh, and, and if they're not participating in the holding, does that make sense? And so this is this is really a great um, reminder of what's happening in our participatory action part in that relationship. So it's it's about our choices. It's about the decisions that we're making. So we can choose to expose ourselves to Him more by what we do. We can choose to expose ourselves more to Jesus and the Spirit and the Father by what we what we do here this morning. What we do right now, what we did an hour ago, uh, um, what we were doing during the time of worship, all of that are choices that we make to keep ourselves connected to Him or not connected to Him. And if I were to just, I was, what I, I love the, how the Bible overlaps back and forth. And I was thinking about this whole nature of abiding and what I'm going to talk about today, which has to do with um, loving the body um, through the overflow of God's love in us, in our relationship. It really reminds me of the first and the second commandment of Matthew 22 37 through 40 you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. It's the first and greatest because you can't do the second without it. And the second being that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And I just thought, this is so true because if I don't abide in the love of God, I can't love God because it takes his love you know, I'm only able to love because he first loved me. And when you look at John, and as I was saying, that first commandment is also, through that, I'm actually empowered, like I said, to do the second. John 15:4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, um, I can't... Uh, Like, one of the fruits that we produce is love for one another, and just like I can't do the, I I can't love my neighbor as I love myself if I don't love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, right? I can't do the second if I don't do the first. The same thing is that I actually cannot love you, I can't love my neighbor, I can't love my family, I can't love my community unless I first abide in him because he is the source. Loving you is actually one of the fruits that is produced out of my abiding relationship with the Lord. John 15, 12 through 15, going to go a little bit further. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. The love that the Father has for Jesus um, and the love that Jesus and the Father, is that that's the same love that Jesus and the Father have for me. And so it's the source of love that's enabling me to express that to my neighbor's. Does that make sense? So before I kind of jump further into that part of it, I want to just kind of come back, summarize what I've talked about the last three times super fast, because it's kind of the foundation of what this idea of loving our neighbors comes out of. Um, the role of re- the re- Kind of, again, the reason why this has been heavy on my heart is just like Jesus was giving these final instructions to his disciples, um, they were going to come into the most intense time of their lives. Like, we're we're entering into the most intense time of history. The great and terrible day of the Lord. And so, aren't we like the disciples in needing to know Jesus' instructions about how to make it through that most intense time? We, we want to think of them as vital instructions that... Um, are going to define us in our identity as sons and daughters of God that they're going to it's going to empower us it's going to heal us sustain us encourage us all of those things that we're going to need so 1 John 4:16 tells us that God is love this is complete wholehearted love and as I was talking about before, all of the aspects of His character and the expressions of His power are motivated by His love for us. So when we think about Almighty God, Sovereign God, all of the—if I were to ask you, give all the characteristics of God, you know, name them all out to me—we would we could come back and, and, and unite them all together in, in saying all of these expressions of God's um, character and His might and His power and His Majesty are all motivated by his love. They're motivated out of his loving relationship with us. He uses his power to, to orchestrate the circumstances of history to get back to this love relationship that started at the Garden of Eden that was broken. So it's, it's all motivated by love. God created Adam and Eve, you know, us our, his image bearers out of his love for us wanting that relationship, that fellowship with his children were expressions of the love that is burning in his heart. And, yeah, so that's what I'm going to talk about. So God's love for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have, um, they have intense love for one another. You might recall me talking about like picturing this circle of the Holy Spirit and God the Father and God the Son, and they're like in the circle, and they're all loving each other equally with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is the same intensity of love that God has for us is what's coming through the Godhead. And connected to that, to take that a little bit further, that love that's in the Godhead that he's inviting us into, he loves us with the same intensity, that Jesus loves us with the same intensity that God the Father loves him, it's that same intensity that he actually calls us to love one another, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the good news is that this is an overflow of experiencing God's love. I, it's a relief to me because I'm not capable in my own strength of loving you, of loving my community, of loving my enemies, apart from his supernatural love helping me. And just kind of reviewing where that love is coming from. Again, 1 John 4:19 says we love him because he first loved us. So as I alluded to, abiding in God's love includes taking the initiative to love others. He empowers us to love each other by receiving his love. I'm going to read this again just to come back to this point, John 15, 9 through 12. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus really wanted to emphasize this point because he repeats it again. So he's already said, you know, love one another just as I have loved you. He, he's talking back and forth about binding in his love, and then he comes back five verses later in verse 17 and says, "These things I have commanded you, love one another." I mean, this is um. Especially for, like, we, we have a paradigm for commandments, but, like, Jewish people especially, like, everything is about commands, following the commandments, following the Ten Commandments, following the mitzvah. Um, so this is, when, when, when he comes back and he's like, this is it. I just want to come back and remind you again, this is my commandment. You think it's all these other little, you know, all, all these other iterations of the law, but it is this. It's love one another. This is the main, main thing. Main thing, love me, bide to my love. And out of that, out of that overflow, you're gonna be able to love those around you. So when we think about this whole thing of um, the father's desire, he he really wanted to build a relationship with us and a family. And in that family, he fashioned the human heart with a deep sense of wanting. Um I, I was reading a book, It was talking about, you know, the idea of a, a baby being born, coming down the birth canal, you know, they're in a comfortable place connected to the mom in the womb, and then they're coming down the birth, control, birth canal in a probably somewhat, you know, yeah, a painful process, you know, uncomfortable process, and then, the, you know, almost always babies are born crying, you know, it's like this immediate desire to be connected, um, you know, to be loved. You know, I think we all know that there's been studies that talk about the fact that, like, the, the infant mortality rate they studied in orphanages was, like, really low because of neglect. And it wasn't because they didn't have food or clothing, but it was human connection that they were abs- that was absent. And it it literally um, killed them. It really killed them. <laughs> and so it's important. God knew this. In Genesis 2, 18, it said, And the Lord said, It's not good for man sh- that they should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. I think it's really important to note that Adam is in fellowship with God himself. Um, God himself. He's walking with Adam in the cool of the day, right? But God still knew with all the things that he, he needed a helper that was, helper for Adam, a companion for Adam that was suitable for him. And he still desires to establish communities of followers that abide in his love, and they let that love overflow to each other. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this sentiment before, but like, all I need is the Lord. Like, maybe especially during COVID when there's lockdown and people are like, should I go to church, should I not go to church, should I go out, fellowship or not? And they're like, all I need is the Lord, right? But this is definitely not true, um, Beyond our nuclear family, God has actually built us and designed us to function in a spiritual family, like the local church, right? And so in this context, we're giving and receiving to one another on a regular basis. And if we agree with his leadership, he knows how to supply our every need. He knows how to supply our every need through one another within this body. Ephesians 4.16 says... From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Same verse in New Living Translation says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. you know, you each have a very specific, special something that you bring to the body. Like we all function in different ways. Um, You know, when we come here, it's not just, it's the way that the church as a whole functions. There's a lot that happens here during prayer, prayer times, during worship times, during different functions that are happening when the building is you know, open in different capacities even when the building isn't open like there's there's all of this the 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 church our community isn't this building but it's us as it as a group as a collective group of people and you all have a specific role and I I know you've heard this before <laughs> I know we talk about this but the thing is is that do you also understand that if if something isn't functioning right within the body it actually affects the rest of the body like I think we all know like um, if somebody has, you know, heart failure, you know, like Lonnie did, like, how many other parts of the body does that affect? Well. Like, <laughs> like, the whole thing. The whole thing is affected by something being, um, you know, off kilter. Like, And so, it's a good evaluation to ask yourself um what Lord, what am i what what part in this body do I play it isn't just one thing you know you don 't just say well i'm i 'm the one who does this one little thing here, or you know maybe you think like uh, i 'm just this and the middle finger, and I do this thing over here, but maybe you do more than the middle finger maybe there's other things that you do or that God wants to call you to do um, you know God wants to raise up spiritual mothers and fathers. In our body, he wants to, um, he wants us to exhort and encourage one another. He wants us to see where maybe there is um, weak spots. I mean, obviously, he wants for us to pray for one another. But we have a chance um, to function more fully as a body, as I'm going to talk about, by just being sensitive to letting the Lord show us what He's calling us to. Like during this time of worship we're in worship is its fullest, and God is glorified the most when every one of us is participating as members of the body and what he's inviting us to you you might be you know it might be a... a a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song, you know, something It could be that you, you, are, you are praying, inviting the spirit of revelation. You are inviting, asking for wisdom and understanding. You're asking for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, for healing. You are, you are, in, you are earnestly um, seeking the, the Lord be glorified and honored. You know, it brings something to this place. It brings something to the rest of the body when we're all fully present, does that make sense? Romans 14, 19, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which we may edify one another. I'm edified when my brothers and sisters are abiding in the Lord. The more they're abiding in the Lord, he's, he's fulfilling all. Their needs and he's overflowing out of them to the rest of the body. The biblical definition of edify is construct, build, establish. So these are the things that um, these are the things that God gives me that I guess another way to put it is that God God gives things. there's something He wants to give me perhaps, or something He wants to give you. But he might give it to me out of your mouth, and he might give it to you out of my mouth. Does that make sense? And um, if if I am willing to let the Lord lead me in that, um, maybe maybe I'm not sure. Um, and this is where we talk about the value of prophecy. But I but the Lord puts somebody else in this body, burnt, you know, burning on my heart for something. The Lord is inviting me to be used by him to minister to somebody in some way. And he does the same thing for you. This isn't just for certain people. Like, I think that sometimes we might have this tendency to think, it, the temptation or where the enemy might lie is say, well, this person is a really prophetic person, and they just, you know, they, they hear the Lord really clearly all the time, and I'm I'm not sure about this thing. Um, the thing is, is that it's, it's sometimes that hesitation of it's, in doubt and i'm talking from personal experience <laughs> that ends up robbing somebody else because we don't actually end up walking forward in faith in that thing that god is giving us to potentially give to somebody else or give to the body does that make sense so there's many things that i'm not going to get from the lord if there isn't faithfulness in that It's actually kind of the other side of that too. Is that not only can I be the um, the recipient of maybe you um, working, letting the Lord work through you, but the other way is that it's actually um, God's doing something in my heart in the giving. You know, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where what's happening is that you're just you're kind of having a really lousy day, and it just feels you're feeling useless and frustrated or discouraged or whatever, and then the Lord puts you in the life of somebody else to give them um, an encouragement or a word that they really needed. And they're, they're edified, and actually you're edified, I it brings to my mind, I just the Holy Spirit just reminded me about this example that Landon gave, which I just loved when they were at um, Kansas City worship arts camp and that the Lord was stirring in Landon's heart about Giving a word to um, to another young man there, and the at the same time that young man was really yearning and desperate for the love of God um, with skin on, in the form of somebody else. And so that person is, you know, waiting and and like feeling, talking to the Lord about a lot of things, and 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 um, r- wrestling and struggling those things out. And at the same time. Landon was describing how he was wrestling about the timing and was kind of pausing and waiting. And should I, should I not? Is the timing right? Yada, yada. And and then, you know, and then the other fellow is getting ready to leave, but he felt like the Holy Spirit say, no, just wait, just wait a little bit longer. And then then Landon went and spoke the words by the Spirit to him that were a huge exhortation to To that young man and everything the Lord had been talking to him about, and a confirmation of that, but it also was edifying. Thing we don't think about, it It was edifying to not only the receiver but to the giver. We we get edified when we do what God asks us to do, and we realize, oh my gosh, God, I was faithful to what you asked me to do, and that really encourages my heart in knowing that um, I did hear you. And you do want to use me. And you are building up your body. And you are knitting every um, piece of it together. And so, you know, I love that because it's in the giving to you that my heart is expanding. And it's in your giving to me that your heart is expanding. And so, that, that's a huge thing. You know, I just want to say, like, I think I touched on this. Prophesying is obviously huge thing that we value here. But there's other things too that really can be a great encouragement. Maybe you're just, maybe you're growing in this area of prophecy. Well, there's there's other things the Lord can inspire you to do that can be a great way to edify other people and show them the love of God through you. It, you know, could be, you could be praying very specifically. I mean, one of the, one of the ways I feel an incredible um, love from Tim is that Tim, Prays very specifically for me. I have. He invited me to give him a list. He said it's long, (laughs) and this is one of the greatest ways that he loves me is by praying um, for me. And he says that he he, that he feels loved by me when I bring him food, and so like (laughs) there is this reciprocating relationship that can be beautiful. But it could be like calling people. I have received calls, and I have felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to call or text other people on numerous occasions. And I'm so grateful when I do it because I feel weak in the thing, but I feel like I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to do it. And then when that really ends up being something that is was needed by that other person, again, that is that's building our body up. It could be acts of service. Uh, you know, Lonnie Saunders really loved our family yesterday by helping us with some plumbing and we're so grateful for him. But there when I look at you beautiful people there are just hundreds of ways over the last 6 years that we have expressed love to one another. And like that that is what we remember. We don't necessarily remember, like nobody's probably going to remember what I talk about this morning, maybe later, but it is It is this expression of abiding in the Father's love that we love because that's what transforms us, and it's the abiding in the love of one another that really heals us. It changes us. It transforms us. It keeps us here, frankly. It is the glue. It's that overflow. It's so necessary. I was thinking of another um, another example of just... Uh, somebody like the loving loving well I was we were at that uh, in Kansas City for that um that worship um, arts camp thing, and actually it was just the friday night service and uh I mean, I felt overwhelmed by i don 't even know what at the at the moment something was happening in the in the response time or something like that, and I just felt like the spirit overflow in my emotions, and I just found myself sobbing, you know and then there 's Angie. And she's like, um, putting, you know, like I, I felt like she she was um, um, just loving me like a like I was a little child, you know, and letting me lean on her shoulder and just she's patting me, patting me on the shoulder, and you know, and and just loving me and receiving all of this, you know, emotional pour out that I was having, and like this is, you know. Um, Angie loved me in an incredible way in that that moment. She was Jesus to me. We are Jesus with skin on for people, and it's really important. I'm just talking about this because this is not like I'm giving you any newsflash that you already know, but we just need to be reminded that we're all desperate for this. You know, um, when you think about... um, when you think about um, most of our obedience, it really, um, it just, our, our obedience that is expressed in love, it just it's just small acts like this. They're usually things that go unnoticed. But again, they sustain us. They keep us. They connect us. It is the abiding in the love of God and then letting that love be the source of the overflow that is, flowing out to all of us in this place and out of this place. We actually need to have both. And I, the reason why I brought up that whole example is like some people say, well, I just, I just need Jesus. I just... I can just, I can watch from the live stream or I could, you know, I can listen to my, my Bible and I could spend my time alone with the Lord and seek the Lord and seek his face and pray and I can, and I can come here to the prayer room and um, I can journal and I can, um, you know, read the word and study the word. Like all of these things we should definitely do. But actually there is the connection that we have with one another that is a vital piece that actually can't be missing it is completely necessary. God built us to be in community with one another. And when we look at what he'll do with, you know, the pouring out of the Spirit on his people and as he establishes his kingdom in this reign, this is a community reality. This is a connection of people. This is, we, we are the expression to people that are believers as well as people that are not believers of Jesus, we are for some people the only Jesus that they will ever see. We are, we are the, the, the bit of Jesus that is going to encourage those people that are in the church but are broken, they're, they're hurt, they're injured, um, and they need the healing love of Jesus in the form of people, actual people that are cooperating with God using them as his instruments Makes sense. So it is these little things, these little acts that go unnoticed, um, and we tend to underestimate them. I love what Luke 19, 17 says in the New Living. Well done, the king explained. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted you to. You will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. Wow, that's a good reminder, right? How about the other one about, hey, you know, even you give somebody a cup of water in my name. I, I notice that. I, I don't want to underestimate the power of this. I, I don't want to underestimate. Like, and you know what happens is that um, if we don't abide in his love and let him heal the places in our heart that are injured so that we can keep a soft heart so that we don't get in, in, you know, indifferent, then we, we become dried up vessels. We become um, unusable by the Father, and so that's really important that you know we're letting Him do that for us. We don't want to fall into the comparison trap. Obedience is doing what the Father has asked you to do. That overflow of God's love is going to be expressed in different ways, as I've just described. So you, um, we want to be sensitive to the Spirit. Don't get caught up in it. it. Has to look like a certain thing, a certain way. What God asks you to do, you being obedient to that, is abiding in his love, listening to him, letting, you know, doing the strangest thing. I remember there was this Beth Moore Bible study I was in, and she was talking about this, kind of this, related to this concept, and um, she said she was at a busy airport, and the Holy Spirit um, prompted her to go. There was an older gentleman there. He was like in a wheelchair. He was waiting to, um, he was waiting for the flight, she didn't know his backstory originally, but she said to the, she felt very firmly. The Holy Spirit said, "Go over and brush that man's hair." And she's like, "Oh Lord, please, <laughs> don't have me do that, right?" Oh, you want me to go? So he was like a really older man. It looked like she said it sounded like he was I don't know, he was 70s, 80s. His hair was really unkempt, all of his beard, like everything was just all over the place, you know. But and um, he looked really fatigued and just you know just an elderly man. And she just, but she just really felt like the Lord was like, "Let's do it," you know. And she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna do this," you know. And she's, you know, moves over and moves over to him, and she starts brushing this man's hair, and in the airport, from the crowd, crowded terminal, you know. And then he's he he just starts crying, and. You know, just like that childlike, oh, my gosh, you've just touched this deepest need for me. And um, he went on to tell that like, he was waiting to meet up with his, you know, elderly wife. Um, I believe the story goes, and, you know, and he couldn't do it. He was tired. He just was weak. He wasn't in a, in a good condition to even take care of his own physical, you know, stuff. And he felt incredibly loved by this act by her. It just, you know what I mean? God knows. He knows what act that you do, no matter how weird it is, that is going to show incredible love to somebody else. And so I just want to encourage us as somebody who myself, where I'm like, I don't know, Lord, you know, but he's like, how much reward there is for us and for them in just being faithful in that thing. And I think the more that we're just faithful in how he's acting us to, asking us to be obedient in all different types of venues, it brings us to more trust and confidence when we come here and he gives us a prophetic word that he wants us to to express. So <clears throat> that's, that is really great to feel that overflow of God's love. And as I said, I think all of us have felt that here in so many ways. According to Psalm 90, 17, the beauty of Jesus the beauty that Jesus possesses is the very beauty that he gives his people. And it's that beauty of the Lord that's on us that um, will establish the work of our hands. Let me just read the verse. Oh, oh no. I just bumped something. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, there it is. It's back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those that prayed. <laughs> All right. Took me to a different spot. All right, back to Psalm 19, 90, verse 17. The beauty that Jesus possesses is the very beauty that he gives his people. And the verse says, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. <clears throat> That's encouraging. The beauty of the Lord can be upon me as I invite him, and he can establish the work of my hands in his beauty. That's pretty good. That's way better than mine. <laughs> um, I want to just take a minute to talk about, you know, really being careful about, um, you know, just walking in love uh, carefully. What happens in, in a dynamic of, like, if we think about our nuclear families, there's this, there's this, um, this is a source of great love and encouragement for us um, where we're, you know, where we're um, anchored in the the connection and the, the unity of our family. But it also, we all know in our families, it can be a source of like, you know, injury too because we can really love on our family members well, but we can also hurt them, you know. Sometimes it's like the, the people that um, we're closest to that we're the hardest on. And, and so just that same kind of, um, sobriety that the Lord wants to work on in our immediate families, He wants us to be really cautious of in our spiritual families. We, um, you know, sometimes it's easy to think that okay, it's um, they're not my, you know, it's not it's my immediate families is is the place where I may be the most vulnerable. But, you know, we can be really vulnerable in a spiritual community with one another. We've been living and loving each other, living with one another and loving each other and annoying one another and uh, challenging one another for the last six years. Um, well, maybe not that entire time, depending on how long you've been here. But it's beautiful to look at how we can pour in love into each other, but also a good reminder to how we want to be cautious as well and, and be careful um, so with all that joy that comes from loving each other is just the warning that living in close intimacy with one another affords us unity and refreshment, but the enemy is always trying to get in. So as I kind of alluded to annoyance with one another or impatient or maybe different approaches to doing things, we talk about this as the laundry cycle all of the time, that it is Going to uncover those dirty spots, which is actually good. Um, you don't. Sometimes you don't know the spot is dirty until something starts rubbing up against it, and that's actually the Lord's mercy that He's saying, "I, I want to liberate you in this area. I want to give you freedom in this area. I want to bring healing in this area for you. I want to work. Um, yeah, I want to bring you into to full sanctification, get you fully clean in that area. So. He can use us within the body to correct one another. What we can learn from living through life situations, though, as I said earlier, in immediate family, is we want to be led by the God. Um, you know, it's interesting to me, like a lot of the church, you see a lot of uh, really bad behavior on social media right now in, under the guise of truth in love, <laughs> right? I'm just, you know, the, you know, the truth will set you free, and you'll be free indeed, um, yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I tend to feel like um, if the truth isn't with God's emotions, and if it isn't on his timeline, then that's really not true. Because God's truth is about his timing, obedience to him, and it is about his emotions for sure. Um, maybe my friend does have a splinter in their eye, and God can use me to help them remove it out of love. Um But the truth in love is when I'm really yielded to the spirit. So my friend may indeed have a legitimate splinter in their eye, but if I beat them up with my plank of arrogance or insensitivity, they may get so hurt that the resulting injury is worse than the original splinter. Has anybody done this in their family? I have. I have been guilty of this for sure. And so it's just a reminder for us that we want God's heart and we want God's timing you know, sometimes, like, I felt like the Holy Spirit remind me, like, Paul, I, I'm dealing with this situation. You actually don't need to deal with it. And I'm like, that's good. If this is what maturity does over time. We realize, I'm, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, do I need to do anything with this right now? This is great. This has been liberating as a parent. Do I need to do anything in this situation? Lonnie and I pray about it. We're praying. Is this a situation, Lord? We're just you're handling, or you want an intervention on our part? We want to be sensitive to whatever you want to do. Our it simplifies things. Our job is just to be obedient, to wait and listen. I was, um, I liked. I was thinking about this. Um, I use that hard analogy. Another analogy I think about as a chiropractor example, I periodically go to a chiropractor and I have one of these ones where you lay on this table and then they lower you down and then they pick up your your, your back leg and then they drop it down. And apparently, the way that that leg, the both on the right and the left, the way that that leg falls gives them some indication about what might be out of alignment. And so they have you do all these funny things, put your head behind your hand behind, just like a little macarena dance that you do on the chiropractic table, putting, you know, hand behind, you know, left side or right side, back, all these different things. But by the time they're done, the chiropractor is like really identifying where the out of alignment area is because the area that's out of alignment is messing up the rest of the body, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right. So this is certainly true here. We really want to be aligned to the Holy Spirit here because, um, and if you we're not going to do this perfectly, but if we sense that there's something out of alignment, then we just all want to pray. We just want to pray, Lord. We want to be lined up to you. Lord, is there anything that I am... Is my little part here out of alignment? Am I out, You know, do I need to make some adjustment myself so that the whole rest of this body can come into alignment? Um, think back to this analogy of the vine and the branches. The branches need to be perfectly aligned, abiding in the vine so that there's good fruit coming out of that whole grapevine, if you will. they got to be in just the right position. And this is what Matthew 15 talks about. Like, if branches, branches are cut away that aren't, branches are pruned that aren't bearing fruit, you know. So this, um, that's an important principle to remember. Our unity is directly proportional to how much we are seeing the nature of Jesus in our lives. We want to be more united, united as families and as our body is the more we come into alignment with Jesus. It isn't me figuring out, well, where are you messing up the alignment? The best thing that I can do is work on where I'm out of alignment. In my family, where am I out of alignment? Now, sometimes as parents, God is calling us to maybe, and in this body, we sometimes have to address, you know, alignment that isn't just us, which goes to what I just talked about earlier. But the the idea here is that we're looking for finding out, oh, I did it again. Um, we're looking for the Lord to evaluate us like we're on that chiropractic table and just saying okay what what needs adjustment here where where is where am I out of balance sorry friends gotta find my place again all right john seventeen twenty two the glory which you gave me I have given to them that they might be one just as we are one. So as I said here, the more we can come into inner families in here that we get more unity the more that we each line up. With each of us is lining up, then it's like that whole body lining up. You come off that chiropractor table and you feel great because everything is back to where it's supposed to be. And this is a reminder from John that the glory that was given to, <clears throat> that glory from the Father is given to us. And what that looks like in this process is initially when we are ex- ex- receive the Lord's leadership in our life that's th- that's a new birth. And there's going to come a time when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And then eventually we're going to be glorified in in the new kingdom. But the thing is is that in the process of being coming into his leadership and having the seal of of the holy spirit in us is this journey that we're walking to keep giving more of our lives to him to keep getting oh there's another area out of alignment oh there's another area there's another other area there's another area and the more each of us are doing that the more not only are we as individuals getting more of the glory of the lord that's flowing out of us but we're 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 glowing as a as a body david's tabernacle what we're doing here is Um, it's everything about it is a community reality. There is some practical how-tos about what we're doing here, you know, when we're doing the music and the prayer and all that, but I really think if we could summarize it, we could take it back to the thing I'm talking about is if we're abiding the love of God and we're letting that love, we're loving one another, that all the other iterations of how we do that could be summed up in just following those two commands. One of the primary ways that the enemy is attacking us is through isolation, and God really wants to build up our spiritual families. He wants to build up our communities, and so this is where we stay committed to this loving the Lord, our God, with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and loving our neighbor as, as ourselves. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I like the New Living Translation of Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Matthew 16, 18 through 19 says, And I also say to you that you, Peter, and on this... I didn't say that right. And I also say to you... That you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So when we look at that, this is about that gates. That's that's about the authority. It's this reality that when we come together in a in alignment with the Lord. Unity as a body, that that verse is, is happening as an outflow of a body that is growing in sanctification and alignment with the Lord and is, um, yeah, and it's an overflow out of that. I'm going to wrap up with this verse. Psalms 133. One through three. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For the Lord commanded the blessing, live forevermore. One more verse Ephesians five, twenty seven that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. Jesus is really calling us to um, become so dependent on staying connected to his love because we desperately um, need that in order for us to love one another. This is his command to us that we love one another and we need his supernatural help to do it. I need his supernatural help to do it. Um, He he wants a witness. He wants a witness not just of us as individuals, but a a witness of um, what's happening within a whole body, a whole community of people that are living together in this unity that is described as that oil running down beards, Aaron's beard. It's, it's beautiful to him. It's precious to him. It's beautiful. This, we think all of these examples when we talk about David's Tabernacle and these, these um, corporate invitations for the whole community of Israel to come and worship the Lord. He's looking for that unified connection, that love overflowing. That is coming from abiding in his love. He wants us to be his radiant church. It's his, it's his, us followers that come together and align ourselves into that vine. All of us, random branches, different sizes, different shapes, but lining up into that vine. All of that expression is what is a witness to the world that Jesus is a lover. And that he came to save. He's looking to qualify people, not disqualify people. It's an invitation. He's a lover. Lord Jesus, we just come to you, Heavenly Father, and um, we ask, would you take us to a deeper understanding of abiding in your love? What can we do? What choices can we make to get more connected to Your love, Lord? I pray that You would. If there's anything that is causing indifference in our heart, Lord, we just ask for You to come in, Lord. Lord, where where, where there is where there's hurt, where there's unforgiveness, Lord, we're asking that you would help us to forgive. Would you heal our hearts, Lord Jesus? Would you give us love overflowing for one another, for our immediate families, for our our community, for our spiritual family? Lord, I pray that you would come in and search us out, Lord. Would you help see, show us where we're out of alignment, Lord Jesus? We want to get on your chiropractic table and just say, what's out of alignment so that we're, able to run our race as efficiently as you want us to as a a body, as a community. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take us into this earnestness to abide in you, but the resulting rest that comes from letting you build the house. We don't want to labor, Lord Jesus. We just want to agree. Heavenly Father, we need you.